Welcome, bet riders around the world. My name is Gary Solomon, and you're watching the Laid Back Bike Report. Well, it's just great to have you all with us today, Bet Riders. We have an amazing show for you today. Let me tell you what's in today's webcast. We're going to kick it off, as we usually do, with our pal Hans Agala with the recumbent news. And then on to uh, one of our first featured guests. It is Nicola Giaccio, uh, an Italian gentleman who is a, a trike tourer, got himself in some serious trouble and was abducted in Timbuktu for 20 months, uh, an ordeal that we're going to discuss in some detail, uh, talk about his trip and uh, what he used uh, during the trip and, it, and everything. So great guy. Uh, I think you'll be interested in that. And then we're going to talk to, um, from Paris, France, Daniela Gonano, uh, a friend of mine who uh, does a lot of stuff. He has been on the solar trip uh, a number of times, uh, where you cross Asia and Europe uh, with a solar-assisted uh, bike or trike. He has done that and now is developing something for the next solar trip of his that he thinks will work better, uh, and that involves a, a tilting mechanism. We've talked about that kind of thing before and has developed a tilting velomobile. So we look forward to talking to Danielle about that. Our uh, Laidback Bike Report review team is in action this month with our uh, buddy Tim Siegard from Bent Revolution down in Florida. And uh, Tim has done an amazing review of the HP Velotechnic Street Machine Bike. So uh, two-wheeler, we haven't done too many reviews of those. It's uh, interesting to, uh, to see that. And uh, we're going to uh, finish up with... Uh, Peter Stahl, the bicycle man, who has a look at a classic bike uh, from the past. It's uh, called the Ferro Bike Low Fat. And we're going to talk about it and its interesting history as well. So uh, with that, I think maybe we'll uh, take a look at who is helping me out today. How about uh, putting up the crew here, Larry, and see who is with us today? Uh, first of all, uh, oh, Doug, you did make it. That's good to see. First of all, uh, Larry Seidman from Colorado Springs, Colorado, is doing the directing today. Hi, Larry. Hello, Gary. Everybody else? Good to have you with us. And down in Jackson, Mississippi, it's Trey Burgoyne. Hello, Trey. Howdy, y'all. How y'all are? Trey will be doing the media, as always. And... Uh, Let's see. How about over to Alfred Station, New York? There's Peter Stahl himself in the shop. Peter, how you doing? Good. It's good to have you with us. And uh, also Hans Agala from the Czech Republic, uh, our news director. Hansa, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Great to be here. Good to have you with us. Um, and in Cold Spring, Kentucky, it is Larry Varney. And hi, Larry. Howdy. So, Larry, just uh, briefly, uh, I, I know a lot of folks know that there have been some problems with Bent Rider 
Uh, the website has had some serious issues here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, can you give us a quick update on that? Yeah, the last I've heard is that it was a denial of service attack, which happens. Uh, and it just happened to be at the most inopportune time over a holidays period where the people who on the site that maintain the actual physical equipment and all that, uh, they were off on holiday. So they didn't have the proper people around who could actually fix things. So the last thing I've been reassured that now that the holidays are over, back into the regular working seasons and all that, supposedly, hopefully, um, sometime early this coming week, we'll see it all back to normal and it won't be sporadically okay. It'll be normally okay. All right, let's let's hope that is the case because so many people love to get their recumbent information from event riders. So let's let's hope it gets back up. Great, thank you, Larry. And let's see, down in Florida these days, we're gonna take a look and say hello to Denny Voorhees. Hi, Denny. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'd also like to add that uh, Brian's uh, been kind of busy the last few days. Why so, is that? What is he so busy uh, with? Well, brand new child. Yeah, he and his wife, Lori, have uh, uh, welcomed a, a new baby boy. So that's uh, right. everybody's pretty excited about that. And and uh, I think that's kind of taken priority. So yeah, no if, doubt you're, about it. if you're upset about it, cut him a bit of slack on that one. <laughs> we certainly will do that. And we, we do all wish uh, Brian and Lori uh, congratulations. Best of luck with the new child. All right. And then uh, let's see. How about uh, going to Bonn, Germany, where we find our friend Joseph Janning. Hello, Joseph. Hi, Gary. Hi, everyone. It is good to have you with us. Good to be and, with you this year. Yeah, great, great to have you. And uh, lastly, I know we've. Uh oh, I was just going to introduce him. Uh, <laughs> let me just say he hopefully will be back. That's Doug Davis that you saw briefly there, folks. Doug is having some uh, internet issues there, so hopefully he'll be back for us and join our discussions. So, all right, with that, let us move along to talk about uh, for what uh, how you guys can participate in the live chat. So as uh, you guys probably already know, we run the live chat on YouTube and uh, you can also comment on Facebook if you're watching there. So please participate and say hi, tell us where you guys are uh, are from and uh, we would love to to see that. Also, we would hope that you will support the Laidback Bike Report. You can do so by liking us on Facebook, subscribing to us on YouTube. We are very close to getting to 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. So uh, if you haven't subscribed to us, we really would appreciate uh, achieving that milestone. We worked very hard uh, over the years to get there. So uh, if you wouldn't mind taking a minute and subscribing, that would be great. And you can also click on the little white eye up there, take you to the Laidback Bike Report website, where you can uh, learn a lot more about us, find out about past shows, what's coming up, buy a Laidback Bike Report hat, lots of stuff there. So that would be great as well. And lastly, um, one of the best ways you can support us is to become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. So patreon.com, you can find us there. That would be great. All right. Now, the next uh, thing I want to tell you about is our sponsors now in New Year. And we have uh, some new sponsors as, as well. So let me go through and thank each of our sponsors here one by one. First of all, TerraCycle makers of exquisite recumbent parts and accessories for your bent, and Trailside Trikes, 
a fine recumbent trike shop on the Withlacoochee Trail in Florida, and now in Knoxville, Tennessee as well. And TerraTrike Greenspeed, the best in leisure, performance, adventure, touring, electric, and portability. Wherever your adventure leads, TerraTrike will take you there, and Greenspeed, where Ian Sims designs bring performance through science and engineering. And Laidback Cycles, the top USA dealer for TerraTrike and the premier source for cat trike, ice, and green speed. We give you the freedom to ride. And then we also are going to welcome uh, four new sponsors to the show, and we're excited to tell you about them. First of all, Connecticut Yankee Peddler. We feature multiple brands of trikes, including electric assist models. Stop by and see us at the Iowa Bike Expo on Saturday, January 29th in Des Moines, where demo rides will be available. Test rides and Southern Iowa hospitality are always available at our mega store in Cheriton. And Bicycle Man, ready for spring 2022 with over 150 recumbent trikes and bikes in stock. And Azub. Proud to be a new partner of the Laid Back Bike Report, our entire crew hopes you have a great 2022 with many miles spent in your recumbent seats. Enjoy the show. And Recumbent PDX. With 150 trike inventory, Recumbent PDX is the West Coast's only cat trike megastore. We have over 20 trikes on our showroom floor just waiting for you to test ride through our beautiful Portland neighborhood. Call or email to schedule your test ride today. All right. Great to have all those sponsors supporting our show, making it all possible. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's move along to our news report uh, with uh, Hans Zagala and Larry. Let's get right into it. Hello, everybody. Hans Zagala from Recumbent.news here with another set of news items for you today. I have... Free interesting information for you, plus two tips for articles to read. The first one is Hazes Bikes new website, a modern web page with a great graphics, a nice full width layout, tons of photos, videos to watch and texts to read. Great job, Haze. The second one is a bit sad. The Dutch company Drymer, which also owns the Sinner brand, has announced that they will stop producing their recumbent trikes and velomobiles at the beginning of February. Their most interesting vehicle was the Drymer business, a TED pole tilting electric trike with protective fairing. They were also producer of the Mango Velomobile. You can read the history of Drymer and Sinner in my article on recumbent.news. The third is a travel story of Viktor Zicho, a brave Hungarian guy we have followed for quite some time already. His attempt to reach the North Cup, the northernmost point of Europe, in winter with his recumbent bike ended just 450 kilometers before the North, North Cup itself by a fall and two broken vertebrae, but he's okay and safely home now. 
However, his big dream of seeing the polar light from a recumbent seat has come true. I would also like to mention two interesting articles I've wrote for you on the recumbent.news magazine. The first one uh, is a travel story uh, uh, as well, a story of Josef and his trike and his home-built trike. He worked as a support vehicle for his friend who ran across Morocco in just 26 days, a distance of 1,435 kilometers or 892 miles. An amazing effort and a great journey. And I like the interview with him a lot. The second article would be a list of 10 most read posts on the recumbent news in 2021. Some of them are the same as in 2020, but some are new and all of them are worth your attention. And this is all from me for today. Enjoy the rest of this show as usually and see you next time. Bye. And hello, there is Hansa and uh, Joseph and uh, I guess, uh, I guess Doug was on and off again. So let's <coughs> guys, um, that really interesting report, Hansa. Thank you. The, uh, the Drymer news is, is interesting. And uh, I wanted to, if we could uh, take a minute to talk about the impact of that, uh, company going out of business. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to Joseph about this. Joseph, do you have any insight into Drymer or have uh, some background to fill in for us on that? Well, you know, as far as I can see, the numbers just didn't match. You know, when we crossed uh, 10 years ago, the United States by Velomobile, uh, there were two models that were dominating uh, the tour. The one was the Quest uh, and the other one was the Mango. But these times are now long gone. You know, the, uh, both the Quest is a classic and the Mango is a classic, but the industry has moved on. Um, but uh, Sinner Bikes and, and Drymer then, as the new owner of Sinner Bikes, uh, have not been able to follow. Uh, and I guess they are just now, they are, they are pulling the plug because uh, uh, actually their market share um, has decreased to nearly zero. Okay, good. Um, Larry, could you bring Doug up? Doug, are you? Can you? Can we hear you? you uh, I don't know. I'll try to staple myself to the internet here and see if I'll stay. All right. Well, let's go to you first, uh, or b before we go to, back to Hansa, and uh, we're talking about Drymer. And uh, I know you had some insight into what was going on there. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to repeat things, but uh, they they, you know. Okay. Uh, Apparently he won't be repeating anything. So uh, <laughs> I was afraid of that. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, that's a shame. Uh, oh, Doug, are you back? Yeah. Let's, I don't know. Uh, I can't tell now, from my side. Yeah. We're not getting any kind of great information from you here. So I'm sorry, pal. We'll, well, we'll try again normal. later, I guess. So yeah, see, see what you can do. All right, uh, Hansa, I'll give you the, the last word here on the Drymer story. Any final updates on that? Well, I don't have any final updates. For me, it was a company which was hardly visible in the in the world of recumbents. Uh, probably, I, I even don't know whether they were participating to the Spetsy show in Germany or, uh, you know, other shows. Uh, I was also 
kind of surprised that they bought the mango rights or the rights to produce it from the Velomobile NL many years ago because Velomobile NL, they were those guys who produced it first and developed it. And they started to produce the Strada uh, just shortly after they they gave away the mango. So it was like, okay, here you can produce the old model, but and we have here a new model. So it's obvious that people were interested in the new one, I guess, at least I guess. So that's it. Hardly yeah, and I, th- and, um, yeah and- I think it's also, you know, these are tough times for companies that are doing relatively well so if they're if you're on the if you're on the margins i think uh this may have something to do with it too um let's yeah. I, I got a question uh a two-part question actually from one of our viewers via email uh let me read this to you and then uh joseph and maybe doug and hansa whoever wants to chime in on this uh it says hi i noticed drymer and leba and leba or leba are both looking for people to buy comp- the companies the owners are just ready to retire. That leads me to think that the Velomobile market is leaning too far uh, toward faster, low-capacity racing machines at the expense of more general-purpose Velomobiles. For the broader market, people need something with a useful turn radius and some luggage capacity. Here's the question. Are Velomobiles becoming uh, specialized to go around tracks really fast? And is anyone uh, looking to buy Drymer, at least the Velomobile part, and keep making general purpose Velomobiles? This is from Chris Malloy, who owns a Rotovelo and a Wow. So, um, uh, Joseph, can we uh, start with you? What do you think about that? Well, you know, Gary, you, you know, I'm, I'm not a racer. I'm a, I'm a tourer. I'm a rider. I use my Velomobiles in, in everyday traffic uh, in, an, in town and around town. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, the, the presumption is not quite correct. Most of the Velomobiles that you find on the market now, uh, look at the picture that Doug uh, has behind him uh, with the Alpha 7, with the DF, with the Quattro Velo. Um, now with with the, the Snook uh, coming in, you know, some of them, of them tend to be more on the sporty side, but overall, they are all everyday machines. You know, it's you just need to be uh, interested in in uh, a more sporty ride, uh, and you need to be slim enough uh, to fit in. But if you look at me or Doug or, or other people uh, in riding velomobiles, you know that that pretty covers a, a fairly wide uh, range uh, of people. So I think actually the velomobile market is tuned primarily uh, to to the everyday rider. Yeah, and yeah. yes, they are. There's a racing segment in that, but I think that's the minority of it. Yeah. But these everyday riders, you know, and you you would be the same if you owned a velomobile. Uh, you want an efficient machine. You want to to go as fast uh, as possible with the least possible effort in without adding a motor. And that's what I think the current market uh, dominators do very well. Very good. And you're not buying the premise. Neither did I. I was going to say that as well. Doug, can we give, are you there? Can you give this a try? I'm trying. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, go. So I I tend to echo the same thing. The buyers we get fall into three categories. 
touring car replacement and racers, the first two are the bulk of the sales. We get one or two racers for everything else. So it, it's. Okay. All right. We, we lost you again, Doug, but I think we got the general idea there. So I'm sorry, but yes, again, we're not really <laughs> buying what Chris is saying here as far as the, the, the nature of the market today. And Hans, I'll give you the last word. You want to uh, give us some final thoughts? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm always a, uh, a bit against Joseph and Duck. I don't agree with the, the opinion that uh, the velomobiles are, uh, are uh, let's say, good enough for everyday riding for uh, like a, lot of, a lot of customers. You know, that's probably why they are still such a very, very niche market. So yeah, of course, people are buying them before for everyday use. People are buying them because they can carry more stuff in them than on a normal bike. They can ride them in winter and so on and so on. But on the other hand, if we want to have more of them riding, we have to make, uh, or I think there is simply a way to make a step and make them something in between a cargo bike and a car. And then, of course, it's the, the long time question whether uh, we should call them a velomobile still or we should call them any other way. But simply getting on and off the, uh, the velo, having uh, been very low in the traffic and, uh, and so and so, I think those are... Uh, major doubts the the ordinary people have uh, when looking at them. So, yeah, the Quattro Velo is probably the closest one to the to the general use, let's say. But uh, I think it's still very sporty, right? Uh, purely orient, like not purely, but a lot oriented to aerodynamic, to speed, to efficiency, and developed by people who in general, don't like using electric motors. <laughs> right. So there's that perfect or, or close to the perfect compromise. I Gary, think. would you would you allow one more remark on that? Go for it, Joseph. Yeah. You know, if, if Hansa has a point, of course, but if if that really was uh, was a marketable argument, uh, we would not see the Orca go out of business. A very intelligently designed model of, of, tuned to the kind of customer that Hansa was describing. Or the Liba Extreme with its much wider uh, opening, um, you know, um, or the pod bike for that matter that we covered in this show um, uh, some time ago. Um, I would suggest to you that that all of these machines uh, find it very difficult to capture uh, enough of a market share to sustain production. For the pod bike, that's still an open question because it's not really on the market yet, and we'll see. If that one succeeds, then you would have at least one model that that fits the criteria that that Hansa was describing, and that might attract an entirely different uh, set of customers. All right, the great right. We're, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there. A fascinating subject. We've touched on it before. We're going to come back to it again uh, as we see other uh, entries into this market. So. Hansa, thanks for the news report. And Doug, thanks for trying. And Joseph, thanks again. And uh, we'll, we'll probably see you guys a little bit later on as we move along to our first uh, guest segment. 
this is an interesting story, folks. It's a compelling and dangerous uh, tour that was taken by Nicola Giaccio uh, a couple of years ago is when he began. And so let me let him tell the story here. And I hope you'll enjoy this segment with Nicola. Go ahead, Larry. We are here with Nicola Giaccio, uh, and he is with us to relay an, a very interesting story uh, and experience that he had. Nicola, could you tell us where are you right now? I'm in Chile. You're in Chile. All right. Let's start out by talking about maybe a little bit of your background and your history of touring. Uh, when did you get started doing bike touring? Well, bike touring, I started maybe 30 years ago. My first trip was in Italy when I born, when I lived. So I cycled in the south of Italy and uh, I did some trip in, uh, in Europe too. So that was the beginning. But uh, after I moved, I, I changed it, bike for a motorbike. <laughs> and then I go back, I came back to the bicycle in the, the last uh, 20 years. And can you tell us, why did you go from a bike to uh, a motorcycle and then end up with a recumbent trike for touring? What made you choose that? Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know nothing about uh, about a recumbent bike. You know, not very few people used to, to ride a recumbent bike in Italy. Almost all the people used, uh, used a racing, racing bicycle. <laughs> But uh, I, I wanted to go to the desert. So I started to, to look for information in the internet, you know. I found a, a book of, of a man, Frenchman, that in the 80, 1980s, he did a trip from, from Algeria to, to Timbuktu. And he used a three wheels bicycle, but not a trike, just three wheels in the same line, you know? So, and he, 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 he built this bicycle and used a bigger, bigger, bigger tires, fat tires. And it's time that, uh, that fat tires did not exist. He did, he did two trips from Algeria to Timbuktu in Mali. And he had a problem because uh, he carried a lot of, uh, of weight, lots of water, and he could not go uh, slowly, because of the on on a, a normal bicycle you cannot go slowly. If you uh, if you go slowly, you fall down. So I I, I decided to, to 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 find some some other kind of of bicycle with three wheels, but not in the same line. Uh, Nicola, can you tell us what sort of trike did you pick out then, and where did you where did you buy it? Well, so I I wanted to to go to the desert, so I I needed. Uh, a big wheels, you know, big tires. So I I found that there are only that times there are very few companies that build a, a fat trike. One was Azub, the other one was Ice, and I I I found that in in Spain there was a, a dealer of Azub and a, I, Ice also Ice, uh, Ice too. So I was living in Chile. So my plan was to fly back to Europe, to Madrid, and from there, that city, start my trip 
to Africa. Nicola, you then went on to tour Africa, and I'm wondering why Africa? Is it just because of that book that you read the other gentleman? Is that what intrigued you? Why Africa? Well, Africa is, is a dream of my, of my life. You know, uh, when I was child, a little child in Italy, well, my family was was poor family. We had a, only a very, very bad television with only few channels. And in one channel every afternoon, they, they broadcast documentary about Africa. I was fascinated about Africa, about uh, the nature of Africa, about the people of Africa. So when I when I was in the school, I had one, uh, my best friend. We were we were six years old, and we 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 talked every day about Africa. About we wanted to go to Africa. He wanted to be a doctor, and I I just wanted to go to Africa, and 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 see Africa no more. In two thousand two, I went to Africa by motorbike. Then then I got back to Italy, and I decided to go back to Africa on a bicycle. But at that time in 2004, on, the, on my way to Africa in Italy, just one week after I left my house, I met a woman. So I decided to stop my, my trip. And uh, with this woman, I, we, we, we lived together for, for almost 14 years. We went to Chile and then our, our relation came to end. So I decided to go back to Africa again. And that was in 2018. I'm, I'm an aerospace engineer. <laughs> we, we took a long time to get to the fact that you were an aerospace engineer. So yeah. you are a rocket scientist, as they say. Um, and look, at, this is very interesting. I didn't know this about you. So I decided to buy the, the trike and go to, to Africa at first. So to, to, to test this kind of uh, vehicle in the desert. If it was not good, I, I could go back to it to Europe and change it with with someone better or maybe bigger wheels or two wheels drive or four wheels drive. I don't know. All right. So now, uh, Nicola, let's talk about this 2018 tour. Uh, let's go through some of your pictures, and you can tell us the story of this tour. It was uh, it was an, uh, a very eventful tour and uh, interesting one. So let's start here. Uh, this is uh, Madrid at the bike shop that you referred to. Yes, this is a trikes shop in, in Madrid from Jason. Uh, I bought the trike there and uh, the trailer too. And I spent some two days to build the the, the roof for the for the sun. So we and we're looking at that right now. I can see the frame, the framework yeah, of yes, the roof. Yes, there, yes? That's the frame. Then I put some material to to to, to, to stop the sun. <laughs> it works very well with the PVC tube. No problem with winds and and uh, sometimes I fall down. I fall down from with the track and uh, it didn't broke. It's very strong. Here is in in Spain somewhere in I don't I don't, I don't remember where. <laughs> then it was my my first maybe second night where I I sleep outside for the first time in in Spain. I, I tried to save my money all the way on the road. <laughs> okay, here is in Morocco. In the past, I heard that uh, Paris Dakar, you know, the the, com the 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 competition with the, with the cars and motorbikes and trikes that. Uh, Every year, at the beginning of the year, they they used to cross. They used to cross Africa, but now it's not possible. 
they pass it through this part of uh, Morocco. It's it's uh, it's not far from the Sahara Desert. Just the bed of of dry river, you know. And here I'm with some friends that I got in Morocco. I'm in touch with one of uh, of the two guys here in the in the picture. Moroccans are really really friendly and invited you every time to 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 sleep to eat. So I enjoy a lot of my times in in Morocco. This is very famous road in in Morocco. You can find it in every book. I went to this road from the top. I could go down with the trike and it was really really fun. Uh, this is one of the most famous city in uh, or historical places in Morocco. This is a, a world heritage city. And uh, I spent the night just outside the, the, the wall of this city uh, here in, in, the, in the bed of the river. Here I'm trying the track on the sand in the, in the desert of Morocco near Merzogwa. It's in some, somewhere in the, in the east of the country, not far from the Algerian border. I tried the track without the trailer, without all the weight that I was carrying, and was not uh, the traction was not good on the sand. I decided in, at that time to to continue my my trip, but not go just in the deep of the desert, just stay on the border of the desert in the region that is called Sahel, that stretch from just. Uh, south of the of the really desert well here i'm climbing a mountain up to 3000 meters of altitude this uh, is on the main road to to the from morocco to to dakar to senegal 1600 kilometers far from from dakar okay i meet a I meet a, a guy from from Slovenia, slovenia uh, in uh, in Maurit just before to enter in uh, in uh, Mauritania, and this this uh, is a a small village of of uh, refugees from Senegal. They let uh, us to stay in their their village. They gave us uh, food and uh, water, and we we stay with with, with them that night. Every time you go, you go through a village. All the all the all the all the young boys and the girls they they come to to see this strange man that is coming. You know, lots of them have never seen a white man. Finally, tarmac road. Before uh, reach this road, I cycled maybe three hundred or more, four hundred kilometers on on uh, on. Um, Dirty road in in uh, Senegal on the tarmac road. What was most? I, I got uh, a puncture every kilometers. I have to stop and repair or just pump the, the tire to 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 try to to go a little bit far. I asked to the people, local people, how they protect their tire from from the the, the, the puncture from the needles of the of the the plants. So the the one 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 guy told me that they used to put an use a uh, dinner tube of truck inside the, the the tires to protect the, the the inner tube of the of the tire. I did the same, and I I protect my five wheels from punctures, or at least I, I got less puncture. 
after that. I decided to use the, uh, a trailer to carry all of my luggage because I wanted to cross the desert and carry a lot of water. And with this trailer and with the hatch, I could carry up to 100 kilo. And uh, it works very well. Uh, it's, a, it's a trailer from Adu, Germany company. And uh, I had no problem on the on the flat road, but in some places like uh, like uh, bed of river or uh, up the mountain with bad road, it's not easy to uh, avoid that the trailer fell down. You know, and uh, you cannot go fast downhill because. Uh, the limit speed is uh, 25 kilometers, so you, you have to take care about your speed. Well, uh, here we meet uh, a Swiss guy on a motorbike in uh, in uh, Senegal, and we he was on motorbike. We were we were cycling or bicycle in in this in this dirt road, and he was afraid. Uh, he, he wanted to go back because he was not. Uh, uh, sure that uh, he could do this this road with uh, with a motorcycle. So <laughs> I told to him and I I told him we are going on a bicycle and we are afraid to go with the motorcycle. Let's go. It's an adventure and you will not be regretted about it. <laughs> so he decided to to to, to do it at the end. Usually when you when you travel through Africa you don't need to worry about where to sleep. Uh, and you don't need money for that. You just go to the village, talk with people, uh, especially if you talk with the, the the chef of the of the, the village, and he will give you some place where you can put your tent. Or if he if he has uh, some some rooms, he will give you uh, the room. Okay, I'm here in some uh, path through the, the, the countryside. And uh, here uh, is, uh, is uh, this kind of, uh, of road. Uh, let me think that it's better to have a quad instead of a trike, because you can, with two, the, the wheels, the front wheel and the, the, the back wheels can follow the path. Instead, he, with, with the trike, well, the, the rear wheels always stay or stay on the on the grass, or, or the, the front wheel have to stay on the grass. So it's not nice to to cycling like this. They asked me from where I was where I was coming, why I was cycling, because you know they don't understand that a white man want to want to cycle instead to to to. to to you to ride a, a, a motorcycle or a car, they not they don't understand that. <laughs> I, I went to Africa in the dry season, so not a lot of uh, fruit. Or you can buy also a, a lunch here, some rice with with fish or just some meat. But I don't eat fish, so I don't eat meat. So I used to prepare my 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 food all time. You know, here. Um, uh, I had an accident. Well, not exactly, but uh, I I parked the 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 trike and the trailer on the road, and I and I went somewhere in the shadow to to to, to get a rest. 
and I was talking with my my friend uh, Boris. Uh, I saw a, a truck that he was going backing up to through my trailer, and I, I start to run to stop uh, to stop this truck. I, I knocked it on the on the truck, but but it, it didn't stop. So I I jumped up on the cabin of the of the truck and loaded to the the driver. Hey man, stop you! But it was too late. But the trailer got just this little dent. That was bad. But then, uh, then uh, came all the people. I start to 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 talk with this man, me and the driver. We 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 were all uh, we were uh, angry. You know, I I start to load him and he uh, to to me. So some some people came to to calm down the situation. An old man. Uh, maybe maybe a religious man asked me asked us to 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 make the peace you know i offered my hand to the the other guy and he was not so happy but uh, at the end he, he he gave me your his hand so we shake the hand and and we 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 made the the, the peace okay this is a this is a well in the village where the woman go to 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 take the water, it's very deep, and they take it by hand with the rope. Uh, sometimes it's 20 meters or 40 meters deep in the in the dry season, and they have to to carry the water, a bucket with the 20 liters or more, to their house all day, all day, all day, because they have not running water. Uh, one times I tried to to. <laughs> To do this job by myself, you know, but uh, but uh, but the men were, were not were not agreed with me because they 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 didn't want that men did this job because they, this is job for the woman. So if the men started to do this, it can be problem for them because the woman they after they can say to the men, well, look, this guy is t- is taking the water. Why you do, you didn't take the water by yourself? All I right. take a boat across the river uh, to go to the other side. It's a very it's a very uh, large river, so wide river. There are no bridge on this river, so I put my track on and my trailer to have more shade. I put uh, a t-shirt on the back and some other clothes on the both side, right side and left side. Here I'm relaxing after. I crossed the, the Sahara Desert uh, in Mauritania and Morocco. was the first time that I spent a day in a hotel, you know? <laughs> it's just a camping, it's not a hotel. But, but they let you use the swimming pool. So I get relaxed for, for one, one day. I spend lots of my time in Muslim village. I prefer to, to, to stay with the Muslim because... Usually, uh, they don't used to be drunk. They typically don't use it to loud mu- music. So I, 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 I spend lots of times, lots of nights with, with Muslims all, all, all the way in Africa. Here's a, a typical, a typical uh, cars, African cars, filled up with all kinds of, uh, of uh, goods and uh, people. Up on the on the roof, it's 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 a car for seven people, but maybe they carry more than twenty. You said car from from Europe. These are a storage huts 
where people used to store the food that they collect uh, during the, the year. Here is in Mali, maybe I just arrived here in Mali um, from Burkina Faso. I was going to east, but uh, suddenly I decided to move to, to west and up to north. I, I changed my plan. I want to, to go to Timbuktu. That was my, okay, that was my original plan at the beginning. Then when I, I, I understand that my track was not good for sand, I decided to change the plan and go just somewhere in Africa to the east or the, to the south. But on the way, I decided to go back to my original plan. So I decided to go to Mali, to Timbuktu. So I entered to Mali. It was not easy to get there because also in... The, in Burkina Faso, I in Cote d'Ivoire, uh, there were some problems about the um, terrorists that are in Mali, in Niger, and uh, Burkina Faso, and they are not far from uh, Cote d'Ivoire. So I get some some trouble with police, with military on the way. They 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 accused me to be a terrorist, you know. And they tried to stop me all the way. Lots of uh, checkpoints on the road. And they tried to, to stop at me, tell me that it was not safe. Uh, and that was better for me to go back uh, to the south, you know. But I decided to go uh, my, on, my, on my way. And uh, I reached this, this uh, mountain in Mali that is uh, near the Dogon region, where the Dogon uh, lives, live. When I reached this village, uh, someone told me that I was the first white man that they saw since, since five years. They, they were happy to see me. They, 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 they thought that maybe the, 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 the thing were going to change because they, the, the tourists will maybe will come again to, to the place. So they, they give me the, 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 a, a little push to, to, to continue my, 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 my trip to Timbuktu. Uh, I reached the city of Dwenza, where, is the, where there is a base of United Nations mission in, in Mali. So uh, from Duenza, there is the only road that you can use to reach the city of Timbuktu. The other way is going by the river, you know, but I wanted to go by bicycle. So I tried to, to, to take this road, but after uh, five kilometers that I was cycling on the, on the road to Timbuktu, uh, I, I get I got to the through the military checkpoint and I I I just uh, uh, say hello to the military and I was uh, moving far away from them but one of the military stopped me and asked me what are you doing here you know that this is a, a war zone you cannot go this way uh, there are lots of uh, terrorists on the road. They will kill you. They will kidnap you and things like this. 
So they call it the police. The police came and they take me to the back to the the head their head headquarter. So they they start to ask me lots of questions why I was there. They wanted to check my luggage to find some maybe some weapons or some books or something about about the the, the jihad the the the. the the sign where that they, the terrorists are, are, are making, or they, 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 they tell us that they are making. So uh, they, they make some calls, they made some calls, I, I don't know, maybe to the capital, so some, some chef in the capital. And uh, uh, to, they told me that I could not move from, from, from the, police station, you know, I was likely <laughs> kidnapped <laughs> for, for 36 hours. But at the end, they let me go and they, tell, they told me, you can go ev everywhere you want. So I, I, I decided to, 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 to go back to the road to Timbuktu. And again, the military, they stopped me uh, but I told them that I, I had the permission of the police to, 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 to go to Timbuktu. So they make a call, they made a call to, to the police and then they, get the, they got the, the answer and they let me to go. And, uh, and I, 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 I <laughs> that was so probably... Now we have, now something major happened. You were on your way to Timbuktu. This is a yeah. very important part of the story. Okay. What happened? The Okay, the people in the in the town, they told me that I could not. I I I I. I uh, okay, the people in the town they told me that I will be that before the the kilometer the thirty kilometers, someone uh, will be killed me on the road. I didn't. I I will not reach the the kilometer the thirty kilometer of the road. I say, no, I say, um, I don't believe this. So I, I, I go through my, my way and I, I reached the 30 kilometers and nothing, uh, it didn't, uh, nothing happened at this time. But I saw one guy with a, with a motorcycle that I saw before when I, when I, I stopped for, for asking some, some information. That he, he overtake me and he go somewhere far uh, far away in front of me. Uh, then I, I I I rode a little bit more and I reached the 50 kilometers of the road to Timbuktu, just uh, 150 kilometers far away from Timbuktu, and it was uh, two o'clock in the afternoon and. Uh, I saw in the mirror that there were two motor two motorcycles behind me with the four armed guy, uh, and they uh, intimated me to stop. They pointed their gun to me. They ordered me to step away from the track, and um, then they, they they told me to to raise my hand up like this. And and uh, then one one uh, told me to 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 lie on the ground, and uh, someone came and uh, 
take my hand on the back and uh, they put a rope on around my hand and then they put something here on my ace and then they told me to to jump on their motorcycles and uh, we 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 rode somewhere in the bush i don't know in which direction and then was my it was the beginning of my my, my adventure <laughs> that last that that last 20 months uh, with the with the terrorists you know they take me uh, somewhere in the in the, in the north of mali at the beginning um, i was uh, was really really scared of of them you know i didn't know really who they who they they were because the police told me that uh, there are terrorists in the bush but there are also bandits bandits in the bush and the bandits just killed and they stole everything you know but these people didn't didn't kill at me uh didn't kill me so i, I was a little bit more uh confident that i could survive you know so then day after day i understand that they wanted to 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 get some some something from my my government so but uh, i i didn't i have never been really calm all the 20 months every day uh, that i heard some someone coming new new people coming i was afraid that it was my last day or my last hours you know so i they they bring me with with motorcycle we did a long trip maybe 2000 kilometers by motorcycle by ship on the by boats on the river during the night uh, moving through the north uh, center the mali before uh, at the first and then we move it to north through the desert and then maybe we have been also in algeria niger i don't know it's, it was very long journey uh, through the desert uh, and then we reached the final destination that was just a tree in the middle of november uh, where i spent uh, my time with these uh, people and I, I i i had no bed just a, just a, a a blanket on the on the on the on the on the ground and uh, and that was all you know but can you can you tell us um how long you were held yes i i, I I have been in captivity for 20 months, 20 months, but uh, many times, every times that I meet some, some, some chef, he told me that, no, that uh, soon, soon I will be released, but it was not uh, like this, you know. <laughs> Nicola, were you ever, were you ever um, harmed? Did they ever beat you? Were there, was there any violence? No, 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 no. They, 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 okay. They didn't, if you didn't do nothing wrong, it's okay. They don't touch you. They don't, they don't give you any, any problem, you know? 
but the, the the problem is not not violence like this. It's a, it's a, it's a, that you ha you have no connection for with the world. You know you cannot you don't know nothing about your family. Uh, my son, it's a, it's it's okay. It's not okay. My mother, it's 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 okay. Or maybe uh, she 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 could. I, I'm from Italy. You know, mom in Italy could die. We, if he's on, it's, it's in bad, in bad uh, times, you know? So, so you were worried that your family would not about, know about yeah. you, of course, and you yes, worried yes. about them because you yes. were completely out of touch. You were isolated in that manner. Yes. How did this get resolved? When did it get resolved and what happened? I, I knew that Western countries, they don't want to do with the with the terrorists, you know, they don't want to pay ransoms or they don't want to give them uh, anything because uh, it's not good for them. And and if they do like this, this kind of uh, this kind of business will never will never end, you know. And I knew that there were other hostages there. That's one of two of them are still. In, in captivity after seven years. So I was a little bit afraid that uh, Italy too could uh, decide to not uh, pay ransom for, for me. So uh, there, there were very few options to, to, to exit from that situation. So one, 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 one could be uh, a, a, a military operation driving from, from special corps and at least one night three months that I was there I heard an helicopter in the night and uh, uh, but, uh, but just uh, when, when the helicopter uh, flew over me and uh, it, it go away so when I wake up in the morning my 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 girls were not in the in the place. I was alone, so I decided to try. So I I find the the, the key to 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 open open my my chain that they used to put on my legs in my legs in the night, and I I escape it. I run I I run away, but. Uh, in the, in the in the desert, it's easy to it's easy to to see the footprint that you leave you leave on, on on the sand. So they 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 found me very very soon after maybe five kilometers when I was just in front of a hut of of nomad people. So they be, they bring me back, and then I was afraid that they could be they could do something. Bad to me, but didn't happen. So it was October in uh, October of 2020, and yes. and then what happened? We were somewhere in Niger, I, I, I suppose. So the the one ship come to to my place and told me that uh, he was he was there to to bring me to the the, the place where the mili military from Mali will will be. And uh, take me to to take me. 
So uh, we, we rode in a car for 24 hours to the west uh, and uh, back to Mali. And then the day after, a military convoy from from uh, military army reached our places in, in, and uh, there were it was like a, like a, like a meeting of friends you know the military of Mali know that people they they kiss uh, each other they shake their hands their hands each other <laughs> and and uh, for me it was really strange you know that. Uh, at, at the end, this 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 terrorists are very well known. So the the Mali Mali security forces take charge of me, and we drove for maybe seven hours through the north to the to a, a military bases in the north, where where a, an airplane from Mali Air Force was waiting for for for, for us. And we flew to the capital Mamako when we we, we we were we were received by the president and other authority, and uh, there were also the Italian security forces there. An airplane from 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 Italy was was waiting for us on the on the in the airport, you know. So we we that night we flew back to to Italy. I came back to Italy after uh, after 12 years that I, I left Italy to move to Chile. I have never been back to Italy for 12 years. So it was my first time. Really, I, I, I spent all time in the captivity talking with that guy that I wanted to uh, continue my trip. I want to have back my track and I want to have the permission from them to to continue my trip through 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 the desert, you know? So make sure I understand here. So yes. you were negotiating with the, your captors. I wanted to stay there, take back my track and uh, continue my trip to the north. To, through Algeria. You mentioned your trike and trailer, which had been left behind. Where are your trike and trailer right now? Uh, I don't know, somewhere in the, the in the in the Mali under the ground, or maybe they. But I don't think they used to burn the cars because the cars is big. But the trike you cannot burn it. You know, that makes sense to burn it. So it's, it's something somewhere, in, or or maybe some 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 military got it and now is cycling it. I don't know. All right. Well, the chances are at this point you are not going to be seeing that trike and trailer again, yeah. I, I would think. Let's talk about what you have done since you got to Italy and then you returned to Chile. Yes. And okay. then what did you do when you returned to Chile? Okay. When I when I went to Italy, I I, I went to 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 visit my my parents you know after 12 years i take the time to visit my <laughs> mother father sisters and the whole family but uh, after three weeks was enough for me <laughs> you know i i have been 20 months under a tree and all times i dreamed of of a new trip so and also my 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 son is here in chile is living here in chile with the 
uh, his mom. So I decided to go to come back to, to Chile. But uh, that time for the pandemic, it was not possible to, to fly direct to Chile. So I decided to fly to Brazil and cycling all the way to Chile. <laughs> that was because I thought if I, if I cannot fly to Chile, at least I can try to enter in Chile somewhere along the border, you know, never. So I, I started my trip in, in uh, Salvador de Bahia in the, in the Atlantic coast and I cycled 5,000 kilometers. I, I, I got a used bike, second-hand bike, uh, normal vertical bike. Uh, and uh, after 20 months, my, my legs were really, really uh, in bad condition, you know? But the, the, my, my, I wanted to go back to my son soon. So I, 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 I used to cycle 100 kilometers every day. At the end of the day, I could not walk because my, my legs were like, 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 like wood, you know, like stone. So I, I, in 50 days, I cycled uh, 5,000 kilometers up to the Andean mountains, up to four, uh, more than 4,000 meters, you know. It was really incredible for me. <laughs> because I, I, I stay a lot of time uh, lying underground. I spent a lot of time lying underground and I was, I, I didn't believe that I could do it. Really, I didn't want to go up to the Andes, but it was not possible to cross Argentina. So I, 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 I went through Paraguay and then from through Bolivia. And then I reached the border with uh, Chile. And then I, I could talk with the, with the, a police there. I tried to take a flight from Paraguay to to Chile, but they didn't let me to to get it on the flight. So I, I, I followed my road by bicycle through Paraguay and then to up to, to Bolivia. And when I reached the border, they let me to enter in Chile because I, my son lived there. All right. So let's let's talk about your your future now this is you have some more plans tell me tell me nicola what are your plans now what do you well i cannot stay a uh, long time in the same place that's the truth you know so when i when i when i i i, I went to chile and then after six months i decided to to start again and I cycled all the way up to Colombia for, for six months, more than 10,000 kilometers. Now I'm back here, it's two, less, than, less than two months that, that, that I come back to Chile again, and it's enough for me. <laughs> so uh, my plan is to go back to Italy if it's possible, because now the situation is going to be worse. And uh, I want to uh, buy a new uh, bicycle. This time a quad. I'm looking for a quad. I don't want to um, use a, a trailer again. I just want one, one, one vehicle. 
and the wheel, more than one wheel drive, you know, at least two uh, could be better, uh, should be better four wheel drive, but it's um, quad uh, four by four are much more complicated and the uh, weight is, um, it's, uh, it's much, it's, it's too much. Uh, I think it's too much. So I am thinking to, to, to buy a quad four by two or uh, buy a trike, a trike and then convert it to a quad. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, still thinking about. And my plan is to go back to the desert or to some desert. <laughs> so maybe the most, it's much more safe to go somewhere in the Middle East or in Asia can be Saudi Arabia or um, China, Gobi Desert, or also Australia. I'm thinking about Australia. But the, the, the idea is cycling all the way. I don't want to fly anymore. That's my, my plan. So I'm thinking also to go back to Africa. That's true, but I'm, I'm not sure where. Maybe Eritrea can be safe or Sudan. I have been there 20 years ago or I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I will see. I will see. All right. Well, you are uh, about as an adventurous soul as I have ever met, Nicola. And I'm so glad to have had the opportunity to, uh, to meet you and talk with you. I'm going to finish up by asking you how the viewers of the Laidback Black Report can help you. What is there anything that we can do? Well, it, I, I started a fundraiser, uh, GoFundMe, but uh, I'm not sure if, if it, it works because I'm in Chile. But I asked to my sister to do it for me, and so I will see if it's uh, it's okay. If someone uh, can can give me some 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 money it's it's welcome <laughs> you also really don't do much on social media i know this is very uh unusual for you to do anything uh and, and appearing on our show is is special for me and i appreciate you, you all the hard work you you've done to to help us out in getting this show put together so i will continue to follow what you do i'm going to share whatever i can being in contact with you wherever you go i will share that maybe we'll be back in touch uh, as you continue your journey and yeah. we'll see what we can do in the meantime, I, I just I want to, to 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 say one thing more about my captivity. You know, well, it was a hard time, uh, but uh, it, it was also a, a great experience because I I'm a, I'm a, I like to tell I like to tell about me. I'm a traveler, so I I have a bit, I have in a place where I wanted to be, that is the desert. I meet a the Tuareg people that uh, that uh, live there. So I, I, I learned how to survive in the desert. So now I'm, I'm a little bit much more confident that I can really cross a desert by bicycle. And I'm, I ha I'm a little bit much more... Uh, I don't worry about many things now. I can, I can survive with, with nothing. I have cycled all South America with no tent, with no sleeping bag, just with 
just sleeping outside on the road and uh, eating lentils all days, it's not a problem. So uh, I think that now I, 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 I'm much more prepared to, to, to do a, a, a great adventure like I want to do. I don't know how you could be more prepared, uh, Nicola. So once again, thank you so much for being with us on the Laid Back Black Report. We wish you all the best. Safe travels, my friend. We will be in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Just the most amazing character with uh, incredible determination, as you heard in that story. So we're going to leave this now. I want to uh, let you all know that there, the GoFundMe that uh, Nicola set up actually is working. I put it in the live chat. It's also in the description below if you wish to help him out on his future journeys and are inspired by his story, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Nicola, actually, since I talked about the social media, his, uh, he's gotten himself on Facebook as well. So I will have that link if you want to communicate with him in any other way. And uh, he is on the live chat today. So as we continue the show, if you want to have words with Nicola, he is available on live chat. So thank you very much, Nicola. Great story. All right, let's uh, move on to our second guest. Uh, this is uh, Daniela Gonano. And Daniela is a gentleman I met uh, a little while back uh, at Spetsi in Germany. Uh, he's a very inventive fellow, uh, a great uh, person to talk to. Larry, let's hear from Daniela. I am here with Daniela Gonano, uh, just outside of Paris, France, I believe is where you are. How are you today, Daniela? It's fantastic. It's always a pleasure to be here with you and uh, your guests. Thank you. Especially so today much. because I'm going to to contribute a little bit more. I think that you certainly will. Danielle, uh, if you could uh, start out by giving us uh, a little background on yourself. That's great. So I think I started my involvement with uh, recumbent biking in, uh, it's already 10 years. I started with, uh, with an M5, uh, with the Carbon High Racer, and uh, I got completely addicted to that. So it was a fantastic experience. And from there, uh, I started to, to use it a lot and also to, to, uh, to find uh, some friends, to go out with friends, because this is always more fun. And then after a few years, I got involved with, um, with the Sun Trip. And I think that uh, we, we can start the, the real presentation from, uh, from there. That sounds great. We're going to get into the presentation. Danielle is going to talk uh, to us all about a, uh, well, now his current Velomobile project, but it all revolves around this tilting trike mechanism that he's been working on for a long time. He's an interesting guy. He's got a lot to talk to us about. So, <laughs> Daniela, why don't we take it away and we will start with the presentation. Excellent. Thanks, Gary. So here is a little bit of history about the Tilting Tri project. So the idea is just to cover with you those points. So why coming to the design and development of, of a Tilting Trike, which are the project objectives. A little bit about the solution description. And then uh, it's interesting to see how does the Tilting Trike position itself against uh, the other recumbent bikes in the, in the market. And, uh, and also, which are the market opportunities? Are there market opportunities? And then the, the latest evolution, which is the aero tilt, 
uh, and a few words on on the future. So this is really the the beginning of the of the adventure. This was the Sun Trip 2017, the departure, my first Sun Trip. We were in Clermont-Ferrand in the middle of France, and here it's just to show I'm on the one on the bottom right. I'm the only guy with a recumbent bike with its solar panel. And nobody else uh, did choose the same, uh, let's say, layout. All they have got either recumbents with uh, trailers or uh, trikes or normal bikes with trailers. So I was the, let's say, the unique guy with the solution. And then moving on, these, these are a couple of slides I would like to share because that was really... Uh, the best spot probably of the of the adventure. It was going down from an alpine pass, the Grand San Bernardo Pass, 2,500 meters, and I was constantly moving my legs just to find the right stability. Uh, we can see it also in this one. So the bike was very difficult to handle. It was heavy. It was pretty uh, quick. It was going down very quickly, and uh, I had to really to do something to counterbalance the for the stability. So when I came back, I said, "That's not good. That's not good. I have to do something." And then I started to to think about. So the starting was the sun trip, and then I said, "Let's see which are the real issues, and let's see which are the objectives. Let's start to find some solutions." So I started the, the thinking process, and here are some of the bullet points uh, which are important for the, for the beginning of the project. The very first one was how to improve the stability. That was really the key point. Going down, you really need to have a very stable bike, uh, which can handle in, in tight turns, and, uh, and that was definitely not the case. And then uh, also other points was on the on the safety, static safety. So how to keep the bike safe when I used to stop. Uh, from a dynamic point of view, so um, basically to add a little bit of grip uh, because with two wheels it was really very hard, especially on a bad road surface when it was raining when it was fast. Also, the visibility was another uh, critical subject. So the bike needed to be a little bit more visible. And that was also a, a clear requirement for the evolution of the, of the bike. Uh, the braking. I used to have only rim brakes with a bike that was weighing uh, probably 40 kilos with bags. So that was really not ideal. And, uh, well, the simplicity. So the simplicity was really uh, a key driver. So I wanted to keep uh, all, all the original, let's say, lightness of the solution. Also, all the new uh, evolution should have allowed to keep the simplicity. Ease of use was another uh, key requirement. So I didn't want to start, you know, uh, uh, a different different type of uh, technical use of the bike. The efficiency, when we talk about solar bikes, we need to have a very efficient bikes, which are not, uh, let's say, wasting energies. 
aerodynamics is part of the efficiency. So the solution should have helped also a little bit in the aerodynamics. And last but not least, the comfort. Because after a few hours every day on the bike, the, the comfort was, was a key point. And, uh, and the ability to keep uh, 700 uh, kind of wheels was really a, an important driver. So with all of this, I started to, to think about possible evolution. And I came across uh, something that was, was part of the, um, uh, of, the, of the catalog of the Carvelo. And at that time, uh, the Carvelo was offering this as a tilting unit, which could have been added to a, um, to a frame. So I thought that that's the solution for myself. So that was what I call the solution 1A. But then I, I, I was able to, to start working on, on my solution, let's say, on, on a tilting mechanism that I had in mind. So I started to, to develop a tilting trike based on a Raptor bike high racer. So I had a couple of solutions available. On the left-hand side, it was the Carvelo with a Carvelo tilting trike. And I had the chance, uh, thanks to my friend, Mark Leborgne, to get one of those bikes for a couple of weeks. So I was able to compare them both. So the, uh, the tilting trike from Carvelo and mine on the right. And I was able to do a lot of comparison, as we can see here. One of the key points is the, the linear angle. And I was able to compare on the left-hand side, the Carvelo. On the right-hand side, it was my solution. And of course, I had a chance to, to ride both of them. And, and I really had a, a thorough comparison of both. And um, let's say at the end, I retained my solution, which was the, uh, based on the, on the Raptor bike. So at that point, uh, I think that uh, it, it was also quite interesting to, to position the, the solution, the tilting track solution on the, uh, on the market, on, on the, let's say, on the recumbent market. So I came up with uh, this spreadsheet where we can see the recumbent on two wheels column, the trike and the tilting trike. So we have the three columns vertical across 14 criteria. So we came up with this with some friends and with a couple of shops uh, I'm, I'm working with. And we tried to compare the different pros and cons of the different solution. So today we don't have the time, so we are not going to go through all the, all the spreadsheet. I just want to, to, um, to go through a couple of points, the stability and the geometry, because the, these are two fundamental part of the solution. If we talk about stability, and we break it down, stability in a turn and stability in a straight line. Stability in a turn with a classic trike or a velomobile, if you wish, if you happen to go a little bit too fast for the, for the, for the radius in the turn, you may, you may end up raising the inner wheel and you may tip over. With a tilted trike, actually, when you are in a turn, and you are leaning as much as you can for the for the speed you are you are having in this turn. Basically, you cannot tip over, so it's impossible because you are always leaning inside the the turn. 
even in the straight line with a classic trike velomobile, if you are doing things a little bit in an abrupt way, then what happens is that the trike may tip over, may go on two wheels, and then it may tip over from a straight line. And I had a couple of friends who, who, who happened to, to do it. And basically, with a, with a tilting trike or a tilting velomobile, it's absolutely not possible. Now, let's talk about the geometry. The geometry is a, is a key uh, is a key point, and here we are seeing uh, on a, on, a, on one of my tilting trikes, I have put a bar in front of the rear wheels, and on the back of the rear wheels. So the bar, of course, has the same length, and in this case we have two in, which is equal to two, two out, which is zero. So basically the wheels are exactly parallel. So that's the first point, which is key. And then the second one is on the camber, and always using the same uh, aluminum bar, I'm able to measure the top and the bottom of the rear wheels, and even in this case, I have zero camber. So basically, the geometry of the tilting trying is such that the wheels, if well built, of course, they will stay like this for 10,000 kilometers and even more. On a very long trips, there is no reason to check the alignment. So that's that said, let's go a little bit to have a look at the at the solution. So the first version was in 2017. It was used in the Sun Trip uh, 2018, and in the Sun Trip 2019. There were some uh, wearing signs of wearing of the mechanism. The comfort was limited because there was no suspension, no possibility to 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 adjust. So basically, no 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 possibility to to trigger the um, the geometry, and the leaning angle was not enough. I think it was limited to 28 uh, as much. So I came up with a version two. So the version two was designed at the end of uh, 2019. And it was based on uh, tie rods. Uh, so the, the, the mechanism was completely different. I added an elastomer based suspension. And with this evolution, the um, I was able to, uh, let's say, to solve all the version one uh, uh, limitations. And here there is a, uh, here I would like to share with you one, uh, uh, one video. Okay, so here is the video where we can see the actual leaning of the tilting trike and the connecting rods that are moving with the arms, with the rear arms. And we can see that it's leaning very swiftly on the right and on the left. And this is the version two. All right, so now we are going to have a look at the V3 of the of the tilting trike. And here, what I'm uh, what I'm presenting actually is both tilt lock mechanism. The first one I'm indicating now, it's using the brakes on the wheels. 
And the one I'm showing now is the brake I'm using on the rear arms. So when I'm using the first one, which I, which I called the soft lock, what happens is that you can see here, you can see that the rotor is not turning because I'm using the brakes. So by using the brakes, the rotor is not turning in the, in the caliper and therefore the bike stays vertical. All right. Here the bike stands because I've pulled the brake and the caliper is blocking the discs. Now I'm releasing and the disc is moving inside the caliper. So that was the soft tilt lock. And now we are going to show the hard, the new one, which has a, a single disc, which is working on the rear arm. And by locking this disc, as you can see, both tilting arms are locked and the wheels can still turn. So in that scenario, we are using the hard tilt lock, which is having as an effect the rear arms being locked and the wheels can still turn. Now I have released it, so the rear arms are again moving. Here I'm pulling the brake and both rear arms are locked and the wheels can turn. Okay, so let me now uh, share a few examples of my uh, different um, uh, kind of bikes I prepared with the tilting trikes. So this is my um, M5 recumbent bike, which I transformed from rear wheel drive to forward wheel drive. So that's the first time I did it. And then actually, after I was able to start from there and transform it from a forward uh, wheel drive bike to a tilting trike. So these are two steps that I was able to um, to carry over, and it was quite quite interesting because I was able to do it with a bike that was not originally uh, intended to be used as a forward wheel drive bike. And then it's uh, it's nice to to show my first customer's tilting trike bike. It was a guy having a cruise bike, and uh, and here it is, the the bike I prepared for him. And here is another example of the kit I'm preparing. This is the uh, the kit, the tilting kit. Here I'm uh, I'm testing the elastomer and um, doing few completion tests of the of the kit and uh, the kit is then uh, installed on a on a frame this is a performer bike and i'm using the the kit that i in this case i prepared for a performer owner and uh, this is actually how it goes Pre prepare the kit then install it on a frame and then it's ready to be shipped so in terms of uh, um, Tilting mechanisms kit, let's have a look at the market opportunities. Uh, 
actually, it was interesting because in the last three years, I have received, I would say, more than a hundred of requests, either via email, via YouTube channel, via my website, Instagram, Facebook, and people are really asking all sorts of questions and uh, inquiries. And there were different cases. The first one was people having a recumbent bike, like a Raptor bike or a cruise bike or a performer or a Toxic ZR. And they really were keening adding the titling trike kit. The second uh, scenario was actually people having uh, um, do-it-yourself projects. So they were actually building their own bike and they wanted to check with me whether they can add my tilting kit. The third scenario is people not having a front-wheel drive bike but having a normal recumbent bike, asking whether they could transform their real rear wheel drive bike in order for the tilting kit to be installed. And also the fourth one, I mean, the fourth scenario is, is quite, is quite um, uh, original one. People being interested on the tilting trike without having a bike. And then basically they are looking for a bike to be able to install the tilting uh, mechanism. So there are basically four different scenarios here. And uh, actually, the, the, the biggest difficulty is, is for people to make up their mind. And if you don't test, if you don't test a tilting trike, it's really, it's really a challenge to take the decision. But in any case, here, there is a, there is a link that uh, you made look at it later. Somebody came here and he actually tested it, the bike. He was not interested to, to buy the bike, so he, he was not biased. And he left a, quite a, um, uh, an open and honest review on Bent Rider Online. And that's, that's interesting because it, it's seen from somebody who is not really uh, a potential customer. Unfortunately, there is not a lot of interest from a recumbent original, uh, um, let's say, equipment manufacturing and uh, that's um, that's something that we we still really need to to work on so the tilting tri project at the moment the the last evolution is called the aero tilt so as you can imagine it means tilting trike with an aerodynamic uh, fairing and uh, uh, let's say that after almost four years and 20,000 kilometers using this uh, solar titling trike with no major issues, I was thinking about the natural you know, evolution of an extensively tested titling trike solution. And there are also other people working on similar projects, like, for example, the Velo Tilt. And uh, I also also wanted to have a, another challenge on my project. And uh, uh, there is quite a, a, a new technical challenge to overcome to, uh, to build this, this solution. This is also part of growing interest for a solution like this. So for a uh, fared, uh, let's say, uh, Velomobile, 
with uh, uh, with uh, some sort of uh, electrical assistance. And I have got a lot of questions from people in uh, different forums whether it was possible to make a fairing. So I came to my, let's say, to my project to build my own Velomobile. And then um, the objectives, as always, the objectives are keen to have a, a, a successful project, easy access, so it should be very easy to access. It should be fun to ride. Uh, fun is, is a big part of the experience. Safety is key. The comfort as well, it should be a comfortable solution. And uh, let's say it should be built also for a long range rather than very fast uh, and short distances. So a sort of uh, long range performance during kind of solution should be good for cold and wet weather as we have here in the north of France and with the possibility to to carry some um, some weight and some some bags that was the first attempt which I did in uh, 2020 2020 actually and it was done with uh, um, uh, Zot foam. Uh, it's uh, it's a foam which is very easy to work with, and uh, it was good experience. I have used it also in the solar tilting trike version, but of course it was not a definitive version. The definite version is this one. So this is the arrow tilt. It has been built with the help from a German company. They have built the complete fairing. And let's have a look at the characteristics. The size is roughly 2.6 meters long. It's uh, 1.5 uh, meters high. So it's a little bit higher than a standard Velomobile. It's 58 centimeters wide, so it's pretty narrow. As you can see, the characteristic, the main characteristic is that the tilting wheels are inside the fairing and the overall weight is 33 kilos, roughly. 15 kilos is the recumbent bike, which is the wrapped bike. 5 kilos, roughly, is the tilting mechanism and the third wheel. And 13 kilos is the fairing. The fairing is done, 90% is fiberglass, and 5% is um, carbon fiber. So let's say there is a little bit of room of in, for improvement. Here it is how it's accessible. So basically the nose, you can open the nose and the way to sit in is extremely easy and comfortable. Okay, so here is the, there is the video of the, actually the first test I have been able to carry of the arrow tilt. And let's share it with you here. This is the side view. This is the top view of the arrow tilt on the back. And here we can see how the nose it, it opens. And we are going to go through actually the full process. Now I'm uh, sitting in inside the bike. Mm -hmm. I'm closing the fairing, 
the fairing can be closed with two lockers. And then I'm closing the arrow cap. Now I'm releasing the tilting lock and I'm ready to take off. So the bike, it's handling very, very, very well. This is a turn, not a very fast turn, but just to give the idea of how the bike turns, here I'm riding back. It's a slower turn, very easy to manage. Now is the landing. So I'm, I'm approaching the landing area. I'm stopping with both feet on the ground. The first thing, I'm locking the tilting mechanism. And then after that, I'm able to raise the arrow cap. And then I can open the, the nose. And by pushing gently the nose, I can also raise the handlebar. So the nose now, it stays open and I can stand up and leave the bike on its own. Okay. Okay, so after having shown the, the latest and greatest part of my project, the arrow tilt, let's have a word on what's next. What's next on my agenda? The V3 is still to be improved, is not fully operational. I'm still working on it to make it sure that it, it works 100%. The next point is really to, to continue to, uh, to show the, um, the, the tilting trike. And I'm, I'm going to uh, participate to the Spezi 2022, if we can, hopefully. And I will bring the arrow tilt and also a performer tilting trike for people to be able to test, because really this is the, uh, the, the ideal for people to sit, to test, and to experience what it means to ride a tilting trike. Then in, in parallel, I want to ride at least 5,000 kilometers with the electrified aero tilt to make sure that all the real life conditions are met and uh, I can go through without any issue. Then this next summer, July, August, I will uh, ride 2000 kilometers with uh, um, the latest tilting Solon trike. So 2000 kilometers across the Alps and uh, uh, across six countries. And this is going to be another very good test for, uh, for my bike. And in parallel, I'm still trying to find uh, um, companies to help me producing the tilting mechanism kit, which I'm producing on my own currently. And also uh, a company to be able to uh, produce the R-Tilt fairing, which could be sold as a kit. So anyway, Gary, it was a real pleasure. Pleasure was all mine, Daniela. Very interesting. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get together again and we will uh, maybe pursue some of these other ideas that you have 
and and catch up with you and see what else uh, is going on with you the sun trips and all the other things you have in mind so thank you so much for joining us on the Laidback Bike Report Danielle it was a real pleasure and uh, thanks for uh, watching to everybody all right and there is Daniela live and in person how's it going today Daniela uh, it was extremely funny to see this guy talking about uh, my project. <laughs> Watching your own your own face on the screen. I know, it's kind of crazy. Let me just uh, finish up here. We don't have a ton of time. But uh, one of the things we you didn't spend uh, too much time on actually had to do with the sol solar-powered uh, component of all of this. And that's a big part of what you're going to be doing on the solar trip. I was wondering uh, how efficient, how capable is is whatever you're going to be using for the solar panels? How efficient is it when you're on the solar trip? Does it do a really good job of charging up the uh, your daily use, say, of the motor and everything else you need? Or how does but, that happen? let's say that the 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 objective of the uh, of the solar panels is really to make your your bike completely independent. Uh, from any uh, power source, fixed power source, if you wish. So, um, with a, with a, with a good, let's say, with a good normal weather that you can expect uh, during summer, uh, you have basically uh, infinite uh, range for for the day. So, uh, of course, it depends on the size of your solar panels. Uh, the Sun Trip has a maximum. Uh, um, solar power of uh, 500 watts. Uh, on my bikes, I never, uh, I never uh, exceed uh, 300, uh, 320 uh, watts, which means that I have a little bit less, let's say, power I can get from uh, from from the sun, but I gain on on the weight and also on the agility of the bike. So it's always a compromise, basically on on a on a solar bike, you have three components. You have the solar panels, you have the battery, and you have the motor. And you have to balance the, the three uh, in order to have an optimized and uh, uh, a very suitable uh, solution. Very good. Well, Daniela, I have a feeling you're going to have a very successful uh, solar trip next time around uh, if it happens. Yeah, look at that. And this is a, a small, a small aero tilt that you can. Uh, it's a, it's a model which which respects exactly the same size of the real one, and uh, it's uh, it's nice because you can see how it opens, and uh, well, it's something that uh, it's a working it's a working. Uh, item if you wish it's a work in progress let me just finish up uh, we're running out of time but um, joseph uh, posted online here that he thought this was a very interesting uh, concept the velomobile and he would like to ride with you in some uh, uh you know in some aspect when you guys can get together perhaps and check out the potential of it and i know that uh, you and hansa had a little private chat here during uh, the video and uh, Hansa says he may have some connections for you 
as farther as uh, as far as furthering your uh, manufacturing uh, potential for the tilting mechanism. So, all that uh, being said, Daniela, it's just wonderful working with you. I know we'll be talking again, and we'll be keeping an eye on your further pursuits. So, thanks again for being on a Laidback Back Report. Thanks a lot, Gary. Thanks everybody. See you uh, soon. Very good. All right. Uh, Larry, I think uh, at this point, we're going to get quickly into the review uh, segment. And uh, let's take a look at uh, Tim Seagart's review of the HB Velotechnic Street Machine. Hi, this is Tim from Bent Revolution in Odessa, Florida. And this is the HP Velotechnic Street Machine GTE for the Laid Back Bike Report. This is the HP Velotechnic Street Machine GTE. This isn't just any HP Velotechnic bike. This is my HP Velotechnic bike. I've had this street machine for probably three years now and I've put thousands of miles on it, ridden all over the place. And I really, really love the bike. Here's why. Right in the front, I've got a pinion gearbox which each gear is 17.8% different from the last. So with only 12 gears in this gearbox, you get a range that is as wide or maybe even a little wider than a 30 speed. Uh, it's got an, a generator hub, so the light turns on. Whenever the wheel is moving, the light will come on, which is great. Uh, it's got pedals that I like, two-sided pedals that are uh, clips on one side for SPD shoes or for just casual riding. It's got little spikes on it. The boom obviously is plenty long for a guy like me. Uh, up front, it's got full suspension, a suspension fork, you can see there. Uh, it's also got hydraulic brakes, which is really a great feature. Uh, it gives you good solid braking, always predictable and so far haven't had to be adjusted at all. I selected underseat steering because it gives me a little bit more room to uh, choose where to put my hands. It's a lot more comfortable to have your hands down than to have your hands up. It just kind of wears on your shoulders over time if you're having to hold your arms up. So I like the underseat steering. Um, I love this seat. It's, this is the body link seat with the airflow cushion. Uh, this seat is fully adjustable, so I can get it to be more my size or it could be shrunk down for someone, a shorter rider. HP says this bike will fit someone who is 5'4", but honestly, if you're less than about 5'6", I probably wouldn't mess with it because it's going to be hard to get your feet down. But for me, it's great. And of course, I'm 6'8". You have a choice of seats on these. Um, you can get the ergo mesh seat, which is more of the square seat, or you can get this body link seat, which is the one I prefer. It's fully adjustable. You can uh, make it taller or shorter just by sliding this in or out. On mine, I also selected the water bottle mounts, which go right on the back of the seat. It makes it really handy. All you have to do is just reach behind yourself and pull out that water bottle and get a drink. And there's one on each side, so it's really awesome. Uh, I equipped it with the low rack, which I use pretty frequently. Uh, that's where the kickstand is mounted as well on this one. And I've also got the higher rack. So I can get four panniers if I wanted to, one here, one here on each side, and then also put something on the back. Along with that, I've also got uh, a bag here from, this is from T-Cycle. They make a really great 
bag for the back of the bike. In here, I've got my tubes, my tools, probably more tools than I need to take, but you never know. So I, I am well equipped back here with tools. Uh, then over here, I have a little handlebar bag attached to the pannier, the low pannier rack. And in there, I keep my lock and some snacks and whatever. So I'm always prepared for a ride. The rear suspension is, uh, I went with the regular spring suspension. You can also get an air suspension, but for me, it's really not that vital to have that. Because it's a pinion system, it only has one gear in the back. So all the shifting is in the front. This one gear and this custom tensioner that HP makes is what keeps everything where it should be. And it's a, a really great system. Uh, that idler really makes a big difference. The pinion shift, it's very easy to operate. HP makes a custom grip, so uh, the regular pinion shifter is only from here to here, but because HP uh, knows how people ride these, they like to make the whole thing usable, which makes it much easier to shift gears when you're riding. And of course, no bike would be complete without the early warning system. Very friendly. This bike is pretty much a replacement for my car. My wife and I share one car, and most days I ride my bike to work. easy to maneuver, it's got a good turning radius. At low speeds though, you kind of have to do more steering than leaning to make that go around like that. It's really a great ride. It takes me everywhere I need to go. Of course, I'm only about five miles from work, so it's a really nice ride for me. Um, as long as it's not raining, I don't like to get wet. This model has a base price of around $4,000, but it's all customizable, so you can get whatever you want. You can add um, the higher-end drivetrains. You can add a sun uh, hub, like I've got, to, that powers my lights. Um, you can add racks and seats and headrests, so you can really make it customized to whatever specifications you want. This is a great bike for touring. It's a great bike for commuting. As you ride, you're about eye level with other drivers, so it's very easy to be seen, and it gives you such a comfortable ride, you just don't worry about anything but comfort. The bike is a little bit heavy, but I think the, the trade-off between the weight and the comfort, comfort wins for me, so I think it's a great deal. One thing you should be aware of is when you stop pedaling, the bike's gonna stop standing up. So be sure to put your feet down before you come to a complete stop. Then when you get off the bike, it's very easy. You just hold your uh, left brake like this, stand up, swing your leg over, and then you're in a great position to put the kickstand down and let the bike go. Easy. Getting on is easy as well. I usually just hold the back of the seat and flip my leg over, but if you're shorter, you may need to tip the bike like this and then flip it on. And then off you go. That's a low gear. Woo! Shifting is really easy on the pinion. Just give it a click, let off the pedals a little bit, and you're in the next gear. You can't beat weather like this. It's a very comfortable riding position. 
I don't even find I need a headrest because it's just so relaxed. The spike is as fast as I need it to be, but certainly not the fastest I've ever been on. It's really a very comfortable ride. You really don't feel any of the bumps. You know that they're there, but they just kind of melt. So nice. Like we're coming up on a speed bump, and I'll stay back and see how it goes. Not so bad. That's it. Hope you enjoyed it. Like and subscribe. You know the drill. Thank you, Tim. Tim does such a great job with these reviews. Uh, I really appreciate it, Tim. We look forward to the next one from you. All right, Larry. Next, we're going to get uh, to Peter Stahl, and he is going to talk to us about this classic Pharaoh bike. Let's have a look. Hello, this is Peter from the Bicycle Man here with another exciting issue of how to fit a recumbent in your car. And as we all know, recumbents come in all sizes and cars do too. Now here we have a Toyota Prius. Not the biggest car, but it has some space in it, right? And I'm going to put a bike in this car now and it will be quite easy because I have an itty bitty teeny weeny yellow Ferro Low Fat Low Racer. And if you don't think that's a small bike, it's a small bike. It fits me though, I'm six foot three, and this is currently adjusted to fit me. But why bother putting it in the back and take up all the luggage space? Let's put it in the back seat. They said it couldn't be done. Now, let's just inspect my work and see how good I did. All right, it sticks out the other window just a little bit. But if you were a little bit shorter, it wouldn't stick out at all. So there you have it. Given the right bike, you can carry it in almost any car. So what bike was I putting in that car in the back seat? Well, it was a small bike. It was a Ferro Low Fat, Ferro Bikes Low Fat. And this is a sort of a low racer, but it's 16 inch front wheel and 20 inch rear wheel. So it's really small. It was designed by Dan Duquesne, Dan Duquesne and they were made, about 20 of them, uh, were made by Bill Haluzic. Notice the paint is yellow, and a lot of the aluminum parts are anodized blue which is interesting because in a second we'll show you a Halusic we have from the same time span that is also yellow paint with the same color blue uh, anodized parts, which is sort of neat. Now I picked this bike because it's kind of cute and it just arrived in our museum, so I'm just a little bit infatuated with it. And because it's, I was kind of pointing out that, you know, different bikes are different sizes and this one's tiny. This one is currently adjusted to fit me and it fits sideways in the back of a uh, Toyota Prius rear seat. Well, it sticks out the passenger window a couple of inches, but I'm six foot two. If you're a little shorter, 
it would fit, which is not like I suggest you run out and get one just for that reason, but different bikes are different sizes. And uh, so when you think about, will my bike fit in a car, that has to do with a lot with the bike, of course, and a lot with the car. If I stand this bike up on end, I'm 6'2", and uh, the bike is shorter than I am. Um, it turns out to be the easiest riding low racer I've ever ridden, and it might be the slowest low, low racer I've ridden. It's faster than most bikes with 16, 20-inch wheels. It's a lot of fun, though. It's real maneuverable, and it's a fun little bike. So I'm looking forward to summer coming, the salt getting off the roads. I'm going to put a few miles on this before we hang it up. Now let's go over and look at the... Uh, at the halusic hanging from the ceiling. So right here, we have a halusic, and you'll notice it's uh, the same color, yellow and blue. Uh, it's also in our museum. <clears throat> and this one is very interesting. It's a halusic traverse, and it has full suspension. They made seven of them. Uh, so it's a pretty rare bike, but it has aluminum forks, anodized blue, aluminum rear swing arm, anodized blue. Even the twist shifters are aluminum and anodized blue. So that's pretty interesting. The, uh, we're running out of space on the ceiling to, to display bikes, but I've got room right up here to put that little bike. The Ferro Low Fat is so cute and small, it'll fit right in front of this Halusic. So the next time you stop in at Bicycle Man to see the museum, they'll be hanging up next to each other. Unless I'm out riding the Ferro at the time. See you next month. All right, Peter, great. Uh, let's finish up with uh, a couple of questions. Peter, uh, I'd, I'd like to know really how you acquired the Ferro bike and what did uh, what did our pal Denny Voorhees have to do with it? Well, let's see. I found it on uh, on Facebook Marketplace, I believe it was. A guy in Canada had it. And I made him an offer and it turned out he couldn't refuse it. So I bought it and he shipped it to us. Of course, it was pretty easy to get in one UPSable box because it is tiny as you've heard. Uh, so he shipped it to me, and one day Denny and I were getting together to shoot some video. We're doing video on the uh, the museum, different bikes in the museum, and we're going to make a series out of it eventually. So we're, we're plugging away. So Denny was coming over one day, and I said, hey, Denny, let's assemble this bike. So we we did that. We'll get it, Denny will get it edited up, and we'll post that too. So that'll be fun. But we're, we're having a lot of fun talking about different... Uh, oh, yeah. Different. So go ahead, Denny. Your turn. Yeah. No. It, it was. It was a great, great fun. Uh, I've only ever seen one of these uh, Feral Low Fats. Uh, Andy Douglas in New Jersey had one. Brought it to a Bent Rider event about 20 years ago, and uh, it is a cute little thing. Uh, it just sets uh, so low to the ground. Uh, I tried. I, I was really had a difficult time getting in and out of it. I'm a, just a little bit shorter than Peter is, but. Uh, but otherwise, it's a beautiful build. Um, you yeah, know, Larry, just... let's go to um, guys. I, I have a, a short slideshow that I put together about an, uh, an article in Recumbent uh, yeah. Cycling News from uh, years ago about uh, this particular bike and Dan Duchesne, who is a very interesting story on top very. of everything. Uh, so, uh, Trey, go ahead and slide through those, if you will, uh, as we finish talking about it. Um, Larry, let's do the cinema look here so we can see everybody. There we go. 
Um, anyways, uh, also I found out that Doug has a bit of a connection uh, to the bike and also uh, had had a little connection to Dan Duchesne as well. Uh, Doug, hopefully we'll be able to hear you. What do you know about this? So I met Dan back in the in the late, er, excuse me, early 90s, late 80s when we were working. Uh, I was doing telecom and we were doing infomercials. So if you remember the Susan Powder, Dan Duchesne, all that kind of stuff. That was going on back in those days. Well, my my company supported that. Tell uh, everybody so, what uh, what Dan Duchesne was known for mostly. Well, I mean, he was known for steroids and supplements and all that kind of stuff at the time. Uh, but he's a he was a phenomenally smart person, uh, and that was the thing that always struck me. Is some of the people we dealt with were very one dimensional. Dan was in, you know, new, new things that you just wouldn't expect. And he had great depth of knowledges and stuff that was just, you know, all over the place from, you know, and he was a fascinating cyclist. And, you know, I remember that I rode my P38 in quite often. And so he got very interested in that back in those days. And so I think somewhere along in there, these things all came together. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I lost track of him like probably around 91 uh and so i don't know what all transpired after that and it yeah, looks it like he, was, I, I think he passed away around uh 2000 or so yeah, yeah 2000, 2000 yeah it was 2000 interesting thing is uh one of the bikes that he did have it was a p38 so right. he probably no, had some, he, yeah you had some influence on that probably no i know i know he got the p38 after riding mine yeah yeah so yeah you know, and, so, and it was, doug also he, he was had a chance you had a chance to ride a feral bike too, you were telling me, yes, recently? Yeah, yeah I got to ride one back in the days. Uh, we've got one around here somewhere. I don't, I don't, the, you know, the, the, we've got a customer has got one a few miles from the store and he brings it over. On. Okay, well, we got most of what we get out of like Doug that course, time. At like least. to ride them anyway. So. Yeah, you're, you're breaking up there, Doug. So we're going to, we're going to, I think, end it here anyways. Oh, well. Folks, um, let me just say that you see recumbent cyclist news uh, there. This was, if you're not aware of what it was, a fantastic uh, uh, archive of yeah. information about the early days of recumbent cycling in America. Um, Bob Bryant was the publisher. I'm in touch mm -hmm. with him. He's given us permission to use uh, this. And uh, I have the link to the entire archive of recumbent cycle news. If you really like to take a deep dive and see some really interesting stuff, uh, have a look at that. It's in the description below. Please do that. And uh, and I think maybe we'll even have a chance to talk to uh, Bob before too much longer as well. I'd love to have him on the show. So we'll see if we can do something about that. But I think we're going to leave it there. So um, uh, Peter and Danny and Doug, thank you so much uh, for sharing all that with us. We appreciate it. And uh, with that, I think we're going to finish up with uh, our sponsors again, who has made this show and all the others possible. First of all, it's TerraCycle. From fairings to headrests, whatever accessory you need, Pat and crew have you covered. And Trailside Trikes. If you find yourself in Florida near the Withacoochee Trail or in Knoxville, Tennessee, check out Andrew's shop and his amazing crew. And... Terra Trike and Green Speed Trikes. Your vision, whatever it is, Terra Trike has a trike to take you there. And Green Speed cutting edge designs create performance through Aussie ingenuity. And Laid Back Cycles. 
the top USA dealer for TerraTrike and the premier source for Cat Trike, Ice, and Green Speed. We give you the freedom to ride. And Connecticut Yankee Peddler. We feature multiple brands of trikes, including electric assist models. Stop by and see us at the Iowa Bike Expo on Saturday, January 29th in Des Moines, where demo rides will be available. Test rides and Southern Iowa hospitality are always available at our mega store in Sheraton. And Bicycle Man. Stop in or order recumbents from Avenue Trikes, Azum, Vachetta, Cat Trike, Day 6, Green Speed, Haza, HP, Ice, Lightning, Linear, Performer, Sun, and Terra Trike. And Azub. For 2022, we wish the whole recumbent community many unique experiences riding recumbent two-wheelers, trikes, quads, and velomobiles. And Recumbent PDX, Cat Trike's West Coast Megastore. Schedule your test ride on trikes with pedal assist electric from both Bosch and Bafang, roll off and schlump component groups, and adaptive builds. Experience the joy of Cat Trike. All right, guys, let me just tell you that we have lined up our next show for February 13th, 2 p.m., as always, Eastern Time. And uh, we'll announce what that's going to be about here in a few weeks. And uh, how can you support the Laidback Bike Report? Please like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and click the little white eye up there for getting to our website and finding out more about the Laidback Bike Report. And, of course, the best way you can do it is to become a Patreon like all these folks right here. We appreciate that very much. All right, let's get all the uh, panelists and guests back up for a final goodbye. Uh, you guys uh, did a great job today. Uh, Larry, Trey, thank you so much for all the hard work. And uh, to my wonderful guests, thank you uh, for uh, working with me all month on that. And uh, always nice to see uh, Joseph and uh, and Hansa, yeah. Peter, you guys did a great job. Larry, uh, Doug, uh, Thanks for the effort. Uh, maybe the uh, bandwidth <laughs> will improve uh, for next month. We uh, always appreciate what you do for us. All right. So, and uh, Denny, of course, thank you. I guess maybe we'll look for a um, sports report next month. So, uh, so thank you guys. And thank all of our wonderful viewers out there uh, who watch every month. So until next webcast, for all of us here at the Laidback Bike Report, so long, Bent Riders. <laughs> <laughs>